Uh, we are continuing this series through 1 Corinthians, uh, and it's been so powerful and life-giving. Glad to be a part of it. Since we're going through a book of the Bible, we love to read the text first together. So if you would, go ahead and stand with me. We're going to read the Word of God uh, together, this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll start in verse 19, then I'm going to pray for us, and, and then we'll jump in. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Paul says, for though I'm free from all, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Father, lead us this morning. Pray, God, that you'd show us who you are, you'd reveal your truth. Let your word wash us, change us, move us. Because it's the truth that actually brings freedom to our lives. And Jesus, you're the truth. So we're coming to you, Lord, this morning. Be with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, I want to take you back uh, to my ninth grade year uh, because we were playing for the football, the city championship in football. And I take you there only because what other reason do I have the opportunity to have a pulpit than to relive my glory days in front of you and you can't leave. <laughs> so we're, we were uh, an amazing team. I played what I felt like was probably the most critical role on the team. I was the backup quarterback <laughs> for our city championship level team. And uh, we, we, ha we had a game, it was at night. We were playing against the brand new junior high across town, Ed Irons. We were Atkins Junior High Tornadoes. We were playing against Ed Irons, uh, Irons, Ironheads. I can't remember what they were. I don't remember what their mascot was. Iron people. And, uh, and, and we, knew we, had, we knew we were the best team. But the problem is that week, uh, our starting left guard got in a fight and got put into ISS or in-school suspension and he, got, and he couldn't play on the team. And it kind of messed everything. It messed up our mojo, whatever that is. And so we, we, it, it was a freezing cold game. It's 
dark. We're used to playing day games. It's dark at night. I remember the team, we wore pantyhose under our, our, our pants because apparently it's supposed to keep you warm. Is that true? I think somebody was totally messing with us. We did wear pantyhose. It's the only time I've ever done that. So, uh, just for clarity, just, just important. Pitch black, it's really dark at night. We're playing, the grass is dead, and it's, it is, a, it is a, a defensive slugfest. Goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. No one can score. Um, and we, we end, the game ends tied six to six. And we were named city co-champions. Which, I don't know, I, I wish, I, I, would, I, would, I think I would have rather had loser as our term than co-champions because we knew the whole season we were playing for that one game. We knew we had the team to be able to do that, but we couldn't get over. We, we wanted to win the city championship. That's what we wanted to do. That was our aim. That was our goal. That's where we wanted to go. That was the prize that was in front of us to win the city championship and we didn't win the city or we had some kind of co-championship thing and it felt empty inside because no one ever sets out to be the co-champion. What you want to do is win the game, right? No one sets up in a, in a, in a tournament or in this way and what Paul's going to tell us, no one sets up to run a race to, to come in last. We want to win and this is at the heart of what Paul wants to bring the church into for the totality of our lives, what it means to be one who follows Jesus. And what he's gonna say is this, listen, do you not know in verse 24, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, unless you're at ninth grade in Lubbock, Texas, and then two get the prize. So here's, here's what he says. So you run that you might obtain it. Because every athlete exercises self-control in all things. And they, but this, they do it for a perishable wreath. And we know, if you know about the Greek games, you got to watch the Athens Olympics, right? They would give them the, the wreath that said, that around their head, that said, I was the winner. He says, we're, they're fighting, athletes get to fight for a wreath, but it doesn't really mean anything. What we're fighting for is eternal. That our lives means something for eternity. Who you are, the way that you live, the way that you think, it's not just the here and now, it's having an impact forever. And so Paul's gonna call us into significant and meaningful impact. And here's what he's gonna say, and I'm just gonna try to sum it up and then we'll just unpack it over the next few minutes. Here's what he's gonna say. I want you to be a people who see the city, who live on purpose, and you embrace the long haul because that's what we're all in this together. I want you to begin to see the city for you to understand that you have purpose. You have purpose. And then we're gonna embrace the long haul together. That's what, I, that's what his call is on our lives. That's the call of the Holy Spirit on the church. And so what do I mean by see the city? What do I mean by see the city? It's this simple. Everywhere around us, there are people who need Jesus, period. Everywhere around us, people need Jesus. Why? Because apart from Jesus, people aren't free. 
This is as simple as it gets. Without Jesus, there is no freedom. And Paul knew what it meant to be bound up, to live bound up, bound up by our own ambitions, bound up by our broken family histories, bound up by our sin nature and our bad habits, bound up by our failures and all of our shortcomings, bound up by our anxieties and our fears. We actually can all relate to that because we've all had moments and times in our lives where we felt bound by these things. And Paul knew what it meant. As he's writing this letter to the church, he's saying, I know what it's like to be fully and totally bound up. We all do, but he knows this. Jesus sets free. Jesus is the one who sets us free from our own ambitions. He sets us free from the broken past of our families. Or he sets us free from our habits and our sin natures. He sets us free from our fears and our worries. He sets us free from our failures. He totally sets us free. And then not only that, but Jesus comes in, he sets us free, and then he gives us this new capacity to not only be people who are free, but we help others be free as well. This is the call that we start looking at our fellow man. We start looking at those that are around us and all the spheres of influence that we all have and we start feeling the desire to partner with Jesus for them to experience freedom, to have shame and guilt broken off, to have hurt and disappointment lifted off, to have what feels like an, a, a, a scary or, or, or anxiety-ridden future to be totally shifted, to have a definitive course with purpose and design. And all of a sudden, we start seeing the world around us, not as people to compete against. We start seeing people around us as those we're meant to contend for. That that's the call. That Jesus comes to set us free, but in setting us free, he wants to take us and touch the world around us. To love the people of the world well. Why? Because hear this, as much as it might feel in 2021, people aren't the enemy. People are the purpose. People are not the enemy. People are our purpose. You can have someone, and we got to talk about this a little bit last week, you can have someone that you feel like you're in total disagreement with about any number of things. Let me tell you something, they're not the enemy, they're our purpose, our aim, our goal. It might feel like at times that your neighbors or your coworkers or your boss or the people in the parking lot at Target are the enemy. but they aren't. You know what I'm talking about. You're in Kroger, right? And you've got a full load of groceries and someone else got a full load and you're both angling for the aisle to, to check out. And you're like, I'm gonna win this thing. I'm gonna beat you there. Do y'all have, is that, y'all know what I'm talking about? Is that, that's just me? You were shaking your head, no. We've never had that. So just, I'm gonna, somebody pray for me after service. 
the aim of God's heart is to bring freedom and reconciliation for everyone. It's just what he wants to do. I just wanna bring freedom and life. I wanna take your burdens and put them on my shoulders. I do, Jesus has no desire for the people of the earth made in his image to walk around with heavy burdens on their shoulders. He actually wants to amass a people group, an army of people who look at the world and say, God, help me be a voice of life and freedom to the world around me. This is what I was meant to be and this is what I was meant to do. That when we are free in Jesus, we are free to help others be free. When we're free in Jesus, we're free to help others be free. And so five times in this little text that we read together, Paul says this, my aim is to win. I wanna win people. Verse 19, that I might win more of them. Verse 20, that I might win the Jews, that I might win those under the law. Verse 21, that I might win those who are without the law. Verse 22, that I might win the weak. Everywhere and all around us are those who are coming from different walks of life. And Paul knew what it meant to be surrounded by all kinds of different people. And so rather than feeling overwhelmed at the incredible differences that happen or that are in a culture, he looked at it and says, listen, I know that there are Jews and there's Greeks and there's slaves and there's free, but this, this one thing I know, my aim and my purpose is to see people set free, to win their hearts. And so he's asking us, the Holy Spirit's asking us to look around the city, to see the city, to have to have eyes that are open wide for what God wants to do across Franklin and Spring Hill and Brentwood and Nashville and wherever you may be and start to see the city and ask the question, Lord, what would you have of me? That everywhere you go, starting, listen, starting right in your home this morning, have your way, bring your freedom, ask that question. You might even be here right now just going, I need Jesus to set me free. I wanna help others, but I need, I need God to do something in me. He's the one we're meant to ask. This is what the call is, to see people set free. And so when I say see the city, I mean we see anyone that's in need. First, we see our spouse, our roommates, our kids, they need Jesus. We see our neighbors, they need Jesus. We see our coworkers, they need Jesus. We see all the spheres of influence we have, our kids coach, our, the lady that does your hair, people that are in your book club, that one family that you keep running to at the pool, they all need Jesus because we all need Jesus. There's no two classes of citizenry here. It's just people who need Jesus. And we're just raising our hand. If you're a follower of Jesus, the only difference is, is you've just finally recognized you can't do life alone. And you're just raising your hand to say, I need somebody outside of me because I can't get it done. 
I can't do this on my own. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough power. I've spun my wheels. I've tried to make money. I've tried to do the things. I've tried to get the vacations. I've tried to do all, uh, make all the relationships right. I've tried to do all the things in order to seemingly get my life to be okay. And the truth is, is that the only one who makes it okay is Jesus. And he just wants us to have a hunger for him. And I think, believe that the only thing that separates if you will, the followers of Jesus or the Christians from the rest of the world is this, we raise our hand to say, I'm done with the wrestling. I just wanna, I wanna, I need Jesus. I just wanna be with Jesus. And I wanna see those who need Jesus. And so Paul says, I wanna win them. I wanna see the city in every scenario. And I wanna orient my mind and my heart in such a way, because I wanna win them. What he's saying is, I want to live on purpose. This is what I want to live on purpose. This is my aim. And so, listen, rather than feeling overwhelmed with that thought that everyone needs Jesus and I don't know how I can get to everyone, let's just talk about what it means to live on purpose. And I love what he says here in verse 22. He says, I've become all things to all people that by all means... I might save some. What he's saying here is, listen, I'm gonna orient my life with fresh vision and fresh purpose to see people saved. When he talks about winning, what does he actually mean? He wants to give clarity to it. I wanna see people saved. Saved from what? Paul knows he was saved himself from it, from death, from destruction, from waste, from wrath. Because Paul knows this secret. You can actually live every day and be dead. And he feels the weight. And he's, he's, he's saying, how do I orient my life? How do I line myself up in every situation, in every arena so that people don't have to live every day, but they're actually dead. That's what he talks about. He mentions it to the church in Ephesus when he writes a letter to them. He says, and you're dead and you're, in Ephesians chapter two, he says, listen, you, meaning all of us, were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked. We were following the course of the world, doing what everybody else was doing, following the prince of the power of the air that is the enemy or the adversary or, the one known as the devil or Satan, the spirit that's now work at those, the sons of disobedience among whom we all once live in the passions of our flesh. We were carrying out the desires of our body and carrying out the desires of our mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. Verse four, but God. being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Here it is, church. By grace, you've been saved. And then, not just saved, but he raised us up with him. 
and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. There it is. This is what we've been won for. This is what we see the city for. We win those to be saved from death and full separation from God. And God so cared that you and I would not be separated from him. He was willing to send his son to pay the ultimate price, to take my sin on his shoulders, to take your sin on his shoulders, to take your co-workers' sins on his shoulders, to take your uh, uh, to take your family's sins, your children's sins, to take them all on his shoulders and to put them into the grave and then to come out alive fully victorious so that you and I could have life. That's it. This is why we exist. So we live on purpose to win so that people are saved from being dead. So how do we do that? How do we live on purpose? What does that look like? I love you. If you go back to verse 19 in our text, for he says, though I'm free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Here's what he's saying. I use the freedom that Jesus has given me to be a servant. I'm not afraid to serve. Uh, in, in the year 1520, Martin Luther, you may have heard of him, great reformer uh, of the church in Germany. He writes a treatise called The Freedom of the Christian. And he starts it with this paradox. See if this doesn't blow your mind. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to no one. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. There's the paradox right there. To be fully free in Christ and to be bound in no way so that we can, in love, be perfectly bound to serve our brother. He goes on to say, uh, these two theses seem to contradict each other both are Paul's own statements who says in 1 Corinthians 19, for though I'm free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all. But in Romans 13, 8, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Love by its very nature is ready to serve and be subject to him who is loved. So you wanna know what Paul's strategy is for winning people? Love. That's the strategy. If you want to know the strategy, that's the strategy. So what he says to the church in Galatia in chapter five, he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, sisters, you were called to freedom. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. We serve. We use our freedom to love people by serving 
And that's what's going on in this verse here in verse 19. I've just made myself a slave. That's what Paul, that's what Jesus means by loving. If you've ever wondered, how do I live on purpose? What does it look like for me as one who's been made free and whole by Jesus to serve or to see women and men saved? What does it look like? What does it mean? The answer is we love people by serving them. Just we open up our hearts and we're made ready to serve. And this is how Paul can adapt his life to serving so many other people. Because when he says, I become all things to all people, is he saying, I gotta change my personality and I have to become a different person. I gotta act like I'm not somebody that I am or I have to lose my individuality. Is that what he's saying? No way. What he's saying is literally in every circumstance of my life, what I do is I make it my aim to love people by just serving them. And guess what? There's not a people group on the planet that I can't love and serve well because I've been loved and served well by the king of the universe. So if you ever feel overwhelmed, like, how do I do? We wanna, we wanna try to love, what does that look like? We just ask each and every day, Lord, can you help me love people by serving them? Help me, show me what it means to do that. And I love it what Paul says when I do that, when I not only help others see Jesus, but he says, I get to partake in the gospel. Look in verse, verse 23, he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. What he means is this, listen, I don't love and serve people because I feel guilty if I don't. I don't do it because my pastor says so. I don't do it to get spiritual bonus points in my Bible study. I do it because when I deserved wrath and when I was dead, God loved me and he served me. And so I wanna do the same. And there were others who loved me and served me and I wanna do the same. I've tasted the life of the gospel. And so my life's become more and more powerful because I have more purpose when I'm living for something greater than myself than just living for my, for my own uh, enjoyment and pleasure. And so here's the question, we'll finish up with this. What does it look like just to practically become all things to all people? I'm just gonna give you just a few easy things and then we're gonna finish out. Number one, we just go get on their turf. We just go get on people's turf. Just start looking for opportunities to connect, to eat with people, share, have coffee. I believe God, God just created coffee for his glory <laughs> so we'd have just some excuse to get together. It's amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for the coffee bean. I don't know. Here's what we can do with every people group around us. We can find common ground and build bridges. We just find common ground and build bridges. You know, it's one of the most loving things we can do. The most servant-hearted things we can do is just sit down with people to find places where we can connect and build bridges. 
Open up opportunity for dialogue and relationship and conversation. I remember one time uh, I was on a mission trip to Ireland and we were partnering with a church and this church was going after Jesus, but there was a, a big uh, African refugee community and this church started reaching this African refugee community. And one of these refugees was like, when, uh, when we, we came and said, I wanna invite the pastors over to my house. And we want to serve them lunch after church. And so uh, myself and a couple other guys, we got invited to come over to this refugee's house. And they made this authentic African dish. And I wish I could remember the name of it. But it was effectively... Um, I, a, a soupy, a gloppy... Uh, fish and veggie mixture together with some stuff that was kind of like bread and kind of like mashed potatoes. And what you did is you grabbed the community bread potato and then you glopped it in the fish glop stew and then you ate it. And it was an interesting flavor. And I just remember thinking, I become all things to all people. I am a gloppy fish soup eater for the glory of God. Because you know what? I love this guy and I'm building bridges with him. And I'll never eat this again, but I'm with you, brother, right now. I'm here with you in this thing. Guys, this is what it means to serve. It doesn't have to be heavy-handed. We don't have to get overwhelmed. We just get to wake up every day and say, Jesus, you've made me free. Help me just do that for others. That's, just, that's why I live. That's why I exist. This is what it's about. Secondly, just in real practical terms, we speak words of life. Words of life are on the tongue of a follower of Jesus. And guess what? What that means is this. We see in people what Jesus sees when they can't see it for themselves. So we speak it over them so that they can rise up to their calling and destiny in Christ. Words of life are on our tongue. We look at people and we see, this is what it means to walk with the Spirit, where we walk with Jesus and he's in our ear and we get a chance to sit down over coffee and we speak words of truth in life. What does God say about them? Not what do they say about themselves, not what I might feel like in the moment. What is Jesus saying about them? And we're asked that question. We get into a dialogue with the Holy Spirit and I can tell you right now, what this world needs is the truth spoken over them so they might rise up in this moment. I'm telling you, the world is desperate for a word of life and news, of good news. World's desperate for it. It's all bad news out there. The church should be on the forefront of being the ones who share good news. And what good news means is we tell them what God says about their lives. And that word of life's on our tongue all the time. It's a game changer. It is, a, it is an absolute gay changer. When you speak identity over other people, what God sees in them, everything shifts and everything changes. They may not even believe it. You start speaking it. They may say, you're crazy. Speak it and encourage and build up and bring life. And then finally, we start praying and we, we, sh we 
share the truth. We ready our hearts to just share the hope that lives inside of us, what God has done for us. You don't have to have a great sermon. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just get to share what Jesus has done for you. And we look for those opportunities to say, this is what Jesus has done for me. We're not used car salesmen. All right, our job is not to, what, what's it gonna take to get you in a relationship with Jesus Christ today? There's some bad strategies out there in the church. Just being honest with you. We just share what Jesus has done in our lives. We invite people to know him. It's what we do. And we, uh, finally, we just embrace the long haul. Yeah, my team, yeah, team could come up. We're just gonna embrace the long haul. What that means is this. We don't have to try to make the things happen in the short run. We're invested in the long haul. So we're just, we're on a journey. We're ready to share the hope that we have, ready to speak words of life, ready to build bridges. And then we just remember that this is, we're in, it, we're in this thing for the long haul. I gotta be honest with you. We know almost nothing about what Jesus did the first 30 years of his life, but he didn't seem to be in a hurry. And he wasn't 22 years old saying, let's go tear down the horrible Roman empire. That wasn't the aim. He oriented himself and he waited on the father and he was in the long haul. And then when it was time, he stepped into what God had for him. And that's the call in our lives to just be in this for the long haul. What, how can we step into what God has for us? We live in a culture that demands immediate action. We demand every diet works tomorrow. You guys have followed sports, you know that if freshmen aren't starting, they're in the transfer portal, they're gone to the next university. You're staring at your phone, waiting for it to charge up. We binge TV shows, the idea of having to wait a week for another show to come, we can't even stand that. This is an immediate culture. And what Jesus is saying, we gotta put that to the side. We're in this for the long haul. This is what our lives are about. We don't like things that take a long time. Jesus says, I got the time thing. You just be with me and it will touch lives. And so we gotta begin to see the city. How do we see the city? We gotta see Jesus first. We gotta see him rightly, the beautiful king of the universe. See him, treasure him, know him, walk with him. Let him speak life over you. This, some of you this morning, you need a fresh word from Jesus over you to pull the junk off of your own life so that you are free to live. And this is what Jesus does every day of our lives. You guys stand with me. I'm just gonna pray that the Lord would do that this morning. There are some of you here this morning that just need the fresh words of Jesus. You feel beat down. You feel exhausted. You feel broken. You feel like a failure. You feel like you've fallen short. There's some of you that feel guilt and shame because your life hasn't lined up in the way that you had hoped or wanted it to with God's heart. And the enemy's got a whisper in your ear to say, shame, guilt. And Jesus is saying, no son, no daughter, no shame, no guilt. I have life for you. I'm ready to take whatever, whatever burden you're carrying right now. Would you just be honest with the Lord? If you're in that place and you're under a heavy weight of anxiety, fear, shame, or guilt, 
and you just say, I'm rejecting that right now. I'm rejecting the voice of the enemy. I'm coming into what my father says about me. Or maybe some of you here, you're here this morning, you're joining us online and you've never really asked Jesus to come and take brokenness off of your life. You've never come into a, a connection, a relationship with him. You've never had him come to you and tell you he loves you and that even when you were dead in trespasses and sin, he loved you so much, he was ready to make you alive, to give you fresh vision for your life. You've never had that opportunity the Lord's here for you. He's ready to meet with you, to take your sin and brokenness and to give you his life. He totally makes the exchange. You don't have to carry any of it anymore. And so if that's you here this morning, the Lord's ready to meet with you and to speak to you. But the most important thing is that we see the beautiful King of the universe, his name over our name, his life over our life, his truth over our ideas, his power over our weakness to move us and lead us. So we're just gonna finish this morning in worship, asking Jesus to do that. For us to see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and remember what he says over our lives. So would you just ask him right now? Say, Lord, speak to me. While we sing this song about the beauty and majesty of Jesus, would you tell me who I am? Remind me who I am. Would you set me free? Make me whole. Let's worship. Let's worship.